0: welcome to another episode of bleachers and boards brought to you by the hoop heads podcast i'm marlon guild and along with my co-host matt collier we'll analyze everything from hoops to hip-hop check us out
1: hey hoop heads. we all hate ankle sprains and they happen way too often and use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off.
0: Welcome to another episode of Bleachers and Boards brought to you by the HOOPHEADS podcast. I'm Marlon Guild and of course I got my co-host with me, Matt Collier. Matt, what's happening, brother? I'm good man, how you doing? All good, all good. So we got a nice one today. Y'all actually double teaming me tonight. Uh
2: Queens man. In here,
0: man. That's right. That's Queen. right. That's right. You know, we got uh Rob Jones, head coach of the Norfolk State Spartans men's basketball team. Rob, pleasure to have you on. Appreciate you taking out the time to come be with us, man. All uh, right, thanks for having me, man. You know, y'all, yeah, y'all yeah, my guys from uh a- Way back now, you know, uh, I know Matt, I guess, uh, over a decade now. Yeah, you know, yeah. You, you, know you too, Ma. um, you know, it was no problem to jump on this. I jump on everything else. Why can't I jump on my guys' podcast? <laughs> you
2: know, so, appreciate that. We appreciate that.
0: Yeah, for sure. No, no doubt, man. So, we're we gonna kind of jump r- right into it. So, like I said, you know, uh, Rob's a, a Queens guy. And, um, you know, before we go into the basketball portion, you know, I I know you well, you know, obviously Matt knows you well, but for other people that that don't know you too well, you know, why don't you just spit something for the people, man, about who Rob Jones is as as a person and as a basketball coach? Uh, Like you said, you know, Rob Jones, he's from (laughs) Southside, Jamaica, Queens. Um, Stand up. Born and raised, <laughs> uh, came to Virginia in 2007. But uh, I, you know, I've had a long journey to get to this point. You know, um, a lot of people, you know, journey is different. Um, I, didn't, I didn't grow up with much. You know, I lived in housing projects for a little bit, and um, I had a single family, uh, single single mom family. And um, I, you know, I never envisioned about being a coach. You know, you know, when you when you're growing up, you think about trying to um, play to be the best possible player you can be so you can change the situation. So, um, you know, I was, you know, played basketball. I, I didn't play at Division One school. I played at Division Three school. Um, I was able to, I was able to make Division Three All-American after my junior year. So I had a pretty good career up there. Um, I did I then had a, a chance to go play uh, in, in France in the, the, the fourth division, but I didn't go because uh, they said it was $1,800 a month. Um, this is back in 2001. I guess $1,800 was a little different than it is now, but it was $1,800 a month. But I had to teach English as well as play basketball. And I just said, hey, man, I could. think I, think I can make $1,800 a month, uh, you know, in the States instead of going all the way across the country. I mean, across the world, really. So um, I stayed. And then as I, as I actually finished up my studies and um,
2: – what was that? I don't know what that
0: was. But <laughs> as I finished up my studies at um, Shooting New Pulse, uh, the assistant coach of New Greg Dixon, actually got a head coaching job at Bard College, which is in Kingston, New York. And he asked me, he asked me to to come over there and volunteer, just to really practice with the guys, because I was still in pretty good shape, and and the team really wasn't that good. So he wanted just to have a good player play against them to show it. I guess show them how it's done or something. I don't, you know, I don't know really. But it went from that to to doing scouting reports and practice plans and recruiting. And then I'm sitting on the bench with a shirt and tie. And then the next thing I know, they're calling me Coach Jones. So it's like, I was like, what happened here, you know? So he kind of he kind of sucked me into coaching. And then I went to um, SUNY Newports and I coached there for two years. And then I went to uh, St. Mary's, Long Island. Tim Clouse was the head coach there. He gave me my first opportunity to be a head coach. He gave me the opportunity to be a freshman head coach there. And that was through a total interview. I had no idea who Tim Clouse was um he had no idea who Rob Jones was we just you know hit it off in the interview and he gave me the freshman head coaching um position and then when he went on to college Suffolk Community College I was able to be the varsity head coach for two years and then um I came down to Norfolk when Anthony Evans got the uh the head coaching job here uh he was also another one of my assistants at um SUNY New Paltz and um he had said you know if if he ever got a job, you know he you know he would call me and you know you know how that goes. He's like, yeah, okay, all right, whatever. You know, yeah, I hear you,
2: right? And then, <laughs>
0: <laughs> but he but he actually you know he got the job and he actually you know reached out to me and um I came down on on my official visit to Norfolk State and I liked it because I, I thought it was gonna be I thought I was gonna see cows and stuff running around because you know when you're in New York you got that mentality that nothing is better than New York everything else sucks you know and and stuff like that so um. You know, I thought it was going to be red, dirt, and cows down here, but it's nowhere close to that. It's, like, really city-like. You know, I live in Virginia Beach, you know, uh, whatever, which is 15 minutes away from Norfolk. So, um, you know, it's it very city-like, and I did six years as an assistant there. I'm uh, out here, and then um, he moved on in 2013, and um, then I was able to get the head job, and I'm going into my eighth season now as head coach and 14th overall at Norfolk State, 21st overall as a, a basketball coach. Yeah, and you're having a lot of success down there, winning a lot of games, doing a lot of great things, and it's uh, it's been great to see. So that that's awesome. And
2: we actually had uh on one of our first episodes, we talked about Coach Klus, and we are not talking about Tim Klus tonight. Man. We're <laughs> talking about Rob Jones, and, and that's, right, gonna, that's right. That's right. Say this, man. Like Rob's <laughs>
0: our guy. He's being very modest about Mm -hmm. living 15 minutes away in Virginia Beach. I'm going to give a quick story. I'm down in Virginia Beach on vacation, and it's during the finals. So he just calls me like, yo, you in the area? said, yeah, yo, why don't you come over to my house, come watch the game. Uh, I think it was, Rob, I don't even know if you remember this. This was the Spurs versus Miami. I think uh, it's got to be 2000. 14, 15, I forget, exactly. So mm-hmm. he said, oh, come over to my house and watch the game. So I'm like, all right, cool, no, I don't mind. I ain't got nothing else to do. So, I don't know if you remember MTV Cribs, when they used to have the celebrities come to the door and they say, welcome to my crib. <laughs> yo, so Rob comes to the door and he lets me in. I'm like, yo, this is your house? It's got kind of crazy. Oh, man. Oh, I'm not gonna even lie to you, Matt. And and I know Rob don't remember this, right? Man, I ain't gonna lie. I sat down in that nice reclining couch. I don't even know if you still have the reclining couch. The, the, I got a different one now. I got a oh, different one. See? He got a different one now. He went <laughs> in a lot of games over there at North. <laughs> Life so, is good. Yo, I sat down uh on the recliner and we watching the game. Matt, I ain't gonna even lie to you. I forgot what the score was of the game. I didn't care. I didn't want to go back to my hotel. I just wanted to stay in the recliner couch, man. I'm like, yo, this is great. Like yeah, it was leather. It, it was cream. I was just, yo, yeah. they, they went in a lot of games at Norfolk State for you to have had this kind of cause I never said that to now, but yo, when he opened up the door, he was like, yo, what's up, man? Welcome to the That's cream. what's up. That's what's up. Life is good. You know, I like to hear that. I like to hear that. My brother's living good down there. That's that's, you know, that's good stuff. I, I, that's what's up. I remember that, all. That, that, I remember, that, you know, what I like when you brought the story. I remember it vividly. But I actually forgot about that. Like you know, until you brought it up. But you know, that's a that's a definitely a true story now about the MTV Chris. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, you know the the sin that watching the game and all that. Yeah, that that actually happened. Uh, you know, don't you know, don't let the, let them fool you with
2: that nonsense. <laughs> You know that's kind of
0: you know what led us to this, and and you know we talk often uh, off air, just uh, you know with your accomplishments, man, and obviously the journey that you took to get to this point. You know now some would say the hardest part is staying there. You know and being consistent and, and being a champion uh at, at the top of the league in the MEAC but you know for you man what, what are some things I guess on the court that you like to do to you know have the Norfolk State Spartans be one of the top teams uh in the MEAC conference I mean some of the things that I like to do with me, first, I mean, first I think I start with like you know pillars that you have of your of your program you know um you know, we got something that called dialed. Uh, you know, a lot of people say dialed in, you know, and you know, they say you dialed in, you know, whatever. It's supposed to be like all – everybody 100%, you know, 10 toes in and stuff like that. Um, but our, our dialed is like an acronym, though. And I, it's like D is um, for discipline. I think you've you got you to have discipline uh, discipline approached, you know, offensively and defensively to have success on the court and, of course, off the court too. Um, I is for intensity. Um, you know, you got to have some intensity on the court. Um, a is for accountability. You know, everyone needs to be accountable for each other. L is for leadership. I think every, anybody could be a leader, not just the captains. You know, captains are just a vote, you know, that you have. But that doesn't mean the next guy can't be a captain. It doesn't mean a new guy can't be a captain. Or a freshman can't be a – I mean, a leader, I should say. You know, um, and then E is for excitement. I think that, you know, now I guess – well, I guess Division One just expanded, right, with a couple more teams. So now with – it's 357 teams in Division I, um, To be a player on one of those 357 teams is – you should be excited about that, you know, like, you know, no matter what's going on, you know, like I said, I played D3 basketball, um, you know, I didn't even play D2 basketball, I played D3 basketball, you know, and, um, you know, I guess, you know, sometimes people joke with me to say, well, you was an All-American at D3, you could have played D1, you know, and yeah, probably, you know, I probably could have, but I didn't. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, you should be excited about playing Division one basketball. And then um, D is just for dedication. I mean, you got to have dedication to the craft, to the team, um, to everything, to like really have success, and we try to brainwash those pillars into our guys. We also try to brainwash just um our competitive nature into them. You know, we have something called um, the winner's circle, um, and it's like a chart that we keep from the time we start conditioning to the all the way up to the um, really the first game. You know, and we chart every like like for example, if we have fourteen guys on the team, It's just you know you got fourteen names just listed. And um, every time you win a sprint or something like that, you know you get like you know if it say if it's a two point you know a two point sprint or one you know whatever it is you get two points on that chart you get three points on that chart or whatever you get you know if we do shell drill we might say the winning team gets ten points and stuff like that so we know a lot of times people in condition are conditioned and like great runners but maybe you know some of your better basketball players are not the best you know runners you know so like yeah. we try to make it fair for everybody so a lot of people get some points in those in the in the in the, the running aspect and then when it gets to the court. You know, a lot of times people are able to balance it out, so it's really like the cream rises to the top. You know, and then what what we say is that like only like the first nine, and I, I, I'm a stickler to it. I don't really care who you are. The only the first nine guys on that chart is going to play in the first scrimmage. I don't care what it is. I don't care. So it's like one of your better players might be, um, let's say number ten. Now you will hope he he's not number ten because you will hope he has a competitive fire in him. But if he's number 10 he won't play and we've had this happen before like not maybe our best player but like a guy that probably would start you know or maybe two guys that would start right. that didn't play and like that next practice is like war because they're like they're like so embarrassed and so you know mad that they didn't play but it was like i tell them all the time that talent is talent but you got to be able to, you got to want to compete and if you don't want to compete in those sprints you don't want to compete in the shell drill you don't want to compete in the rebounding drills or to get to get the points where you know that i'm that I'm telling you that you're not going to play unless you're on this top nine, you know, or whatever, then how can I trust you to go compete to win a game, you know? So, you know, we do that for the second scrimmage too, you know? And sometimes that top nine changes, you know, because, like, guys get fired up. Whoever that top nine is, is going to play. And then when we get to the first game, you know, whoever whoever is in that rotation is who I play. Like, I don't care. Like, I don't care if we playing Mississippi. I don't care if we playing Kentucky. I don't care if we playing say Thomas Aquinas or whoever, you know, and I don't know they have a good program, but it's like, I'm just using anybody, you know, like I don't really care. It's like the first nine is going to play. And then like people, they, you know, the next day after that usually practices a war, you know, because like that bench is an equalizer, man. You know, and I tell guys all the time, you don't have the competitive nature, you can't play. So, and also in that winner circle, we do, um, you know, like every week, whoever's the top nine per week, you know, maybe you maybe this week you get you know your two T-shirts. You get you know whatever, whatever. You know what I'm saying? And we keep like a list and a tally. You know, by the end of the year, everybody got all types of crazy stuff. But you know, keep it you know like that. So the people that's left at the top nine, they might see. And if you consistently left at the top nine for the first couple of weeks, you might not have one piece of gear, while everybody else got six T-shirts and, and 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 tights and stuff like that. You might not have anything. So you know, it it really like fires guys up. But then as the year goes on, I don't give them anything unless we win. So after every win, we get something like, like, so every win, you know, like you, maybe you get your sneaker, you know, sneaker one, you know what I'm saying? Maybe you get jacket one, you know, sneaker two is after the third win, stuff like that. And that's how I just keep it to keep that competitive edge um, the whole time. I like that. Now with the winner's circle, does it reset at any point? So say Uh it, so, so wherever you start at the beginning of the year, that's like, you have to get really, really, really catch up in order to get, into that nine, yeah, you have to do it, and and also there are academic components to that are too. Like if you miss okay. study hall, it's minus ten. You know, all that. If you miss a class, it's minus ten. You know, if you late for a class, it's minus five. So it's so it is like you know ways that people do drop and stuff like that, and of course you know injuries. Like somebody could be injured, it could be number one, be injured for a whole week or two, and the guy that was number ten is now on his heels, and number one that went to like five or six or whatever it is, you know what I'm saying? But also the thing I tell people, too, is that, like, and my assistant coaches get on me for this. Jamal Brown gets on me all the time about it because he said he's never seen it like this in his life. You know, he was like, he was like that, you know, he's like, you're the fairest coach I've ever seen in my life. Because cause I'm, cause I really take to heed, like, when I say that you guys are going to stop playing time, you guys are going to stop playing time. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's all up to y'all. Now, the thing that I do say is that I'm going to give whoever earned that top nine and gets their shot, you got your shot, man. It's up to you to keep it, though, because if you don't do the right things, and I'm going to play number 10 eventually. I'm going to play number 11. I'm going to play number 12. But if the top nine keeps their, keeps their spot, then, I mean, I'll never play the other five. But a lot of times there are some guys that might be like those fringe bench players that do make it in the top nine early, and then they might not perform as well. So then that number 10, you know, who might be a better basketball player, ends up finally getting his chance. And honestly, he's been chomping at the bit to get his chance. So, he goes out there and performs, like, off the charts for you. You know what I'm saying? So, it's like, it all bounces itself out, you know, uh, or whatever. And that's just one of the tricks that we use. Is like just, like I said, just brainwash winning. You know, like, you know, if you don't win, if you don't compete, you can't, you know, like, you're not no good for us, man. You know, so we just got to do that to brainwash winning. And that's how, you know, we've been successful beating some, not just MIAC opponents, but some bigger opponents, you know, as, as well. Because, I mean, we got, you know, a long list of, of non-conference wins. You know, it's not like all the wins we have is just against the MIAC. And, and there's nothing wrong with, you know, I think there's a, a lot of good underrated teams and coaches and players in the MIAC, you know, don't get me wrong. Absolutely, absolutely. But I think, but I think that um, people just think that like, you know, they see like the 125 wins, they think all 125 is against the MIAC. Like we don't play that many games, man. Like, you know, there's no, <laughs> there's, no, there's no way possible to have 125 wins against the the, the MIAC, you know? So um, that's just one of the things that we use, man. I'm going to just that's say good stuff. Cool. The listeners will be able to hear this on the podcast. But the viewers, when y'all go to YouTube and see this, Rob's being real modest right now talking about these wins. And he made sure he said it wasn't just against the MIAC teams. They got some some heavy hitter wins out there. And he's being real modest. But, you know, when you see this on YouTube, you're going to see it in his eyes that he talking his talk right now, pretty much. That, that's that's what he's doing. He's talking his talk, and you can hear it. And if you watch this on YouTube, you're definitely gonna get to see that. Uh, but you know, n- now, man, t- talk your talk with that clipboard. You, you know, what's something that you guys like to run on the offensive end? That uh, you know, without giving your playbook up, you know, just something that you know you you can run. That it don't even matter what the opponent do; they know they can't stop it
2: anyway. Uh, if you don't mind,
0: um, I mean honestly, I could probably do what we talked about. I could share the screen, you know, of uh, sure. a couple of plays. Yeah, let's, do um, let's do it. Let's do so it. Check it out. I um, I actually had something defensively already queued up, so I'll so I'll do that and come back to the hmm. offense. Like you know, obviously it'll be quick because I know we already talked about uh, uh doing a whole coaching clinic on the, on the podcast. So. Yeah. We to not do a coaching clinic on the podcast. <laughs> but um but um one thing that we do uh here that causes disruption is uh we trap ball screens. Um okay. so a lot of people don't trap ball screens. You know, a lot of people think that players are too good, you know, to trap ball screens because they can split and all types of stuff like that. Um now we also do other coverage. You know, we do like the blue and uh the, the, the hedge or you know, whatever, but our, our signature is really Trapping the ball screens, and we we uh, practice that um, pretty much all the time. Um, and, you know, it causes a lot of disruption, more disruption than you think. Uh, I I do have some clips queued up, so you can see that it's not going to be against the MiAC. You're going to see some high-level opponents turning the ball over, like hot oh, kick. Coach Rob, talking, you you and um, you're going to be able to see that in the clips that um, there's some high-level opponents turning the ball over. Um, I think that you know the last few years we we finished top 35 in the country with defensive field goal percentage. So um, and, and what we did last year we actually finished top. 25 and turnovers forced. And we don't do a lot of pressing, but we just do a lot of like half court trapping. Like we'll trap the post, we'll trap ball screens. You know, we're not doing 40 minutes of hell or anything like that. But that half court, we're going to cause some disruption. So um, I'll just go into those clips real quick here. Yeah. Hopefully it, it comes up nice and easy. Did that come up nice and easy? So uh, far, so good.
2: Yep. Wait a second here. Hold oh, on a second, hold a second.
0: Actually, uh, Ma, that this is the offensive stuff. I'm gonna go back real quick. Hold on a second. Okay. Here. That's fine. That was that was, you know, you, you talked that into existence.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> the offensive stuff. I gotta stop this share. You know, I should I should be like super Zoom friendly. All the all the Zoom calls that gets done. But uh, you know, hey, whatever. You hot right now with the Zoom? That's why we were happy to get you on. No, absolutely. Yeah, Zoom Zoom is crazy. All right. You should see yeah, You see, like, some red and white jerseys? Yep. All right. Cool. All right. We're going to just go all the way back. All right. We call it red on the ball screens. All
2: right.
0: You know, I had I had to throw in the arena, mall because, you know, people think that we play in some YMCA gym or something. <laughs> you know, and we don't play in the YMCA, baby. You know, so, you yeah, know. I've, been in, I've yeah. been in there a few times. It's a nice nice place. Real yeah. Nice that bottom guy, we're trying to – he actually did a bad job of loading to the ball Hold on um, one second, Rob, turn, turn your volume down on the uh, on the quick time. Okay, there yeah. we go. All right, so we tried, he had a, actually did a bad job of loading to the ball, but we want to load to the ball on this trap. He did a good job of recovery. We have another steal right here. Okay, now, once again, it's against Ole Miss, SEC opponent, all right? Trapping the ball screen, okay, rotating over, steal. Now, is it always yeah. the um, is it always the weak side low man that's that's uh, taking the
2: taking the role and keep the strong side yeah, guy? Weak side, uh,
0: yeah, weak side low man. And then everyone else is going. Like, we're going to load to the ball as much as possible, leaving the furthest pass away, you know, mm-hmm. open. So right here we got another one. I mean, he just cost it up, and we're off to the races. Here's another one, and we're going to right here is an example. We're going to stay in the trap, okay. and you'll see everybody loading towards the trap. So right here, we're gonna stay in the trap. Even, even though he's going back, we're gonna stay in the trap. Everyone, as you can notice, is are loading up towards the trap, leaving this guy, you know, open over there. But uh, panic happens and still, once again, loading towards the trap, everyone's up right here, kind of zoning up like 14 and I think that's uh, 34, uh, like zoning up right here, loading towards the trap and then turnover. So now just a question for you, Rob. Um, when you guys trap the ball screen uh and f- for our listeners, you can trap anywhere uh on the court i i guess above the three point line and you just have guys zoning up. do you guys have a call for that uh like is it shrinking the court or you know is there anything you call your zone ups for the uh other guys while the trap is happening? We just, call, we just say just load to the ball as okay. much as you can. That's all. So we just kind of keep it simple. we just load to the ball, load to the ball. So um, load into the ball, that means just keep everybody on the high side in between their man and the ball uh, instead of playing behind, obviously, and just, yeah. you know, be in, basically
2: in between the ball and the man.
0: Correct. Correct. And, and, and we try not to, like, necessarily just fully take away the panic pass, um, you know, trying to read a little bit. Because you are zoning up, um, um, I think in this clip right here we actually do take away the panic pass. Like right now, number zero is right here. At the bottom is taking away the panic pass. He shouldn't necessarily be doing that per se. But we want him close to his guy, but he took it away and it worked out for us because now he's he trying to throw it out the trap. He actually got the steal. So that was a trap in the high slot area. Okay. Yep. So then we got another one right here, another trap, and you, you'll see twenty-two loading up you'll see 14 left his man over there uh, number four left his guy to to load towards the basketball and now we have a, ro- a, a sprint out of it so we sprint sprint and then we'll trap again let's trap inside ball screens here now what are you what are the teaching points for the, um, the trappers uh, when they're sprinting out who's that who's the who's, who's, who are they going to
2: what are your uh, your rules as far as that?
0: Well, we always try to make sure that the guys fight over the screen. Right. You know, we never want to go under the screen because honestly if you go under, if we you know you try to trap, you're probably never gonna, you know, get the trap. Right. We'll um, get there. We also talk about not charging the, the trap, um, like almost closing out a little bit. So cause you know, if you try to charge it or blast it, or you know, people use different terminology, good ball handlers will just go right by you, you know. But um so we'll close out to the trap and then close after we close out to the trap, then we'll close the trap. And we'll try to make sure that we're, like, in an L shape um, on the closeout. And then after that, everyone else loads up to the ball and, you know, we try to make something happen with a, with a turnover. And then um, right here, this is against Northwestern, um, you know, Big Ten opponent. And he comes with to the ball screen. We, we catch him right here. He turns around. He's spooked. He throws it to the fifth row.
2: That's off a slot ball screen. So you guys still, still were able to to get just yep. some good uh, good uh good action out of that.
0: And even right here, this is a naked side ball screen. And we're still able to to trap it, you know, high hands in the trap, get a deflection mm-hmm. as a steal. Now, uh, do you guys have a set number of deflections you're trying to get? 20, 20 per half. Okay. I get 20 per half to make sure we show activity. Now, I, I'm not gonna lie to you, Ma. A lot of times we don't get 40 for the game, <laughs> but we might get 29, 30. You know, something like that. Like, I think only one time we've ever got 40 um, for the game. But we just try to make that a set goal just to keep them active, you know. And, and we and we'll you know, I'll talk about us not achieving that goal at the end of the game to so try to just keep it in their head about this is what we want. So right here is another uh, trap, high hands. You can see 14 is shooting the gap. Number four on the bottom is loading up to the ball. Five is actually close to this guy, ready to panic pass. And he just took it. Right here against Stony Brook. Uh, Trap right here. He picked up the ball. You know, we're high hands, but active. You see, 15 is loading to the ball. 22 on the bottom is loading. 34 is, is looking at the ball, trying to read his eyes. And he just travels. and That's a turnover. So that's, that's, our, uh, that's our red pick and roll defense
2: right there. Now, now let me ask you this. So, You know,
0: clearly, like you said, uh, on on the traps, you try to get the L shape. But now, how long does it take for the loading up to the ball, like just teaching that? So obviously, you know, the principles that, that you start with from your first day of practice, at what point do you say like, okay, we've got it? Because, you know, sometimes it might take half a year to really get good at your trapping ball screens where everybody's on a string together. But for you, when do you guys start to teach that? And at what point do you think you see a difference that, hey, they're finally starting to get this? I think we, 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 we teach just – honestly, we teach just regular hedge first, honestly, because we just want to talk about pick and roll rotations. You know, who's the tag man, like, uh, like Matt said, and, and stuff like that. So we talk about just regular pick and roll rotations. And then um, we also do pick and roll breakdowns. Like we'll do 10 screens in a row just up top. Of a guy constantly screening you and just keep hitting the guard basically because we want to make sure that guard is tough enough to fight through. So usually after those after getting hit ten times and you know if he doesn't fight through it doesn't count. Like repeated you know drills of that. I mean it makes the guards a little tougher. Like they don't want to get screened. They're not going to get screened. You know yeah. and and yeah. stuff like that. So that I mean that's a big part of it too. Then um, after that we'll talk about that red you know pick and roll situation and we'll talk about like loading to the ball and then like because we do it so much um you know we do it in shell drill and sometimes that that kind of pisses some of our guys off in shell drill because they can come up to pick a roll to do anything but you know we you know shell drills for defense anyway so it's like you know hey offensively, we try to figure it out you know so uh we'll, we'll talk about it in shell like every shell drill is, is always usually red to pick a roll unless we're practicing for a specific scout like say if we know we want to change it up and like um, ice the guy or something like that, then we'll make our shell drill for like maybe three days before that, just strictly ice on the on the pick on the shell drill, you know, something like that. But um for us, uh we, we read um automatically under ten seconds, no matter what. So even if we are in a a regular ball screen coverage or ice coverage, you know, when it's ten seconds or less, no matter what coverage we've been doing, like or anybody, it's gonna be automatic red. So um, because we really feel like teams really panic when it's 10 seconds like a guy is getting trapped he's retreating dribble he's trying to make the next pass we got him scrambling it's usually I mean you'd be amazed man and uh, I'm sometimes amazed on the sideline I'm going to a lot of you guys is that you know in college basketball division one basketball to get shot clock violations like I mean we'll get sometimes multiple per game against an array of opponents and you like you know, I remember before looking at something um, that Shaka said about when he was at VCU with, with pressing, and he was like that a lot of people are scared to press people because they're like, yo, the other guy's going to be too good, you know, stuff like that. And he was like that, you know, anybody will turn over the ball. No matter who they are, they will turn over the ball. You know, some teams are going to turn over more than others, but anybody will turn over the ball. And I fully believe that with the, with the Red, that I feel like there are a lot of amazing guards throughout the country, but they'll, they'll flick it to you too when, when, you know, some pressure is applied. Right, right. Coach, let me ask you one question and without giving too much away, right, because we don't want to give this away to your opponents, but what would you say is effective versus the red that maybe you have to emphasize a little bit more for your team to look out for? Like, you know, when when teams are able to break it down, what is the things that you um, are are somewhat effective that you might have to adjust to? I mean, that's why we talk about the uh, the loading so much because I think short rolls are effective. Okay. I think if you can if you can short roll out of a trap, then you got some three on two probably on the backside and stuff like that. You know, you know, which is trouble. So that's why we try to load up to try to take, try to like be as close as we can to some of those passes to you know get steals as you probably you know some deflections that you saw in the, in the video, um, just to take away that short roll action. I think that that's an action that, that does hurt. But you know what's what's so funny is that the guys will short roll and shell after a while. You know, like we'll talk about pick and roll offense. You know, after after five days of the guys turning the ball over, uh, you know, every play on a, on a on a pick and roll trap, we got to talk about some pick and roll offense, right? So it's like, you know, we talk about short rolls in the pick and roll offense, but the crazy thing is that most teams that we play don't short roll; like they just right. keep rolling their guy all the way to the basket. and We just standing there waiting for a steal. Like it's it's really like uh, you know, amazing. And, and I and I will say that I hope you guys you know, get a million views on this, but I hope you don't either because, it's like, <laughs> you know, like, people are not even thinking about this, you know, right. rolling, you know, and right. stuff like They just keep rolling their guys in the basket. And like, that's not going to work. So we just turn. I mean, at one point during the year, we had like a, a stretch in non-conference that we were getting 23 turnovers per game for like five games straight. Wow. It was like, and it's also probably because now you're relying on your five or your four man who may not be as comfortable handling the ball and have to make a pass and make a decision. So now you're forcing him to be in that position to make plays because the guard doesn't have the ball. If you do throw it to the short roll guy, now you're forcing a big guy to be a playmaker instead of a play finisher. But without question. And the thing that I like to, like to have, too, and um. You know, I, I know, well, well, Marlon, you know, I, you know, I mean, well, you know, I mean, hell, Matt, You, I mean, you've been out the league so long, so I was like, I, I, forget, <laughs> I forget that we coached against each other. I forget about that. But, but Ma, I mean, we just played Ma a couple years ago. I'm still mad about that game because, uh, you, know, you know, he won the game or whatever. But it's like, um, I got him at St. Peter's, though, Matt. Oh, you know? Okay, you got, you got it? Okay, all right. <laughs> hey, I, I'm going off on, on a sidebar on this, right? So the game at St. Peter's, so it's funny he said that he's still mad about the game he lost us at Ryder. I'm still upset about the game we lost to them when I was at St. Peter's. And and more so, I'm, I'm going to tell you why. And he, and he brought this up, and I was going to say it before the end. Yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it was a the championship game for, like, one of those. And Barclays, the Barclays said yeah. a classic Yeah. Okay,
2: okay, okay. Okay.
0: classic. So we playing at, at St. Peter's, and... I'm trying to remember. I think uh, this is when you still had the young Not tough Jeff Short. Jeff Short. Jeff Short. J- Jeff Short. So yep. get, the game's close. And I'm like, all right, man, we're going to win this game. And so we call a timeout, right? And put, I don't know if you remember Travis Hester in the game. Now, Travis, yeah, yeah. Travis Hester hears this. I'm sorry, man. You cost us that game. And I'm going <laughs> to tell you now. So okay, after you finish your story, Ma, I'm going to tell you who really cost you that game. I'm going to tell you. <laughs> hey. go I'm going to tell you. Uh, that game. We, can, we can get into it. So Rob comes out and they, they're they in this 2-3 zone. And we're like, yo, they're going to go zone again because we had watched the film on. So somehow, like, like he said, he has some stuff up his sleeve. So they get into this 2-3 zone. And we have the ball at the top of the key. Now this is in front of our bench. You have the ball at the top of the key. I want to say we might have been up one with like two minutes, probably under two minutes. And we throw the ball to Travis Hester on the left wing, who's like our shooter. And Rob sends the guy that was guarding the ball and the uh, wing guy in the two, three, and they trap. We had never seen that before. Hmm. And Travis has to get the gator ball up for a layup, and they win the game. But that's not what made me mad. What made me mad was, you know, when you got the handshake line.
2: Oh, he didn't shake, do that. You shake, he didn't do that.
0: Nah, I'm going to tell you what he did. He do, He gave me like one of them daps, like good game, and then like hit me with the Derek Harper push. Oh, mad. Oh, nah. nice. Ooh. Nah. Ooh. Right. Ooh. I thought you was going to say he slapped you on the butt. Nah. <laughs> like good game coach. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, Ma, good game. And then ease me up. Yo, where the trophy at? I was like, wow. Oh, man. Let
2: me <laughs> oh, man. About let me
0: about let, let me tell you, Ma, that's a good story. You know, <laughs> now he is he what? is actually right about the um the trap his because we kind of held that till we played them or whatever. And uh, but, was, but he was actually they was actually up more. It was like like five or six, and we went into like three possessions in a row. We trapped in the top one possession, and we trapped the um the the wings two possessions in a row, and was able to get like turnovers like from like you said from Hester. We got like I think it was more than just one turnover. We got like two or three turnovers from him. And then we, we, we did go up to the races and, you know, got a layup of, you know, and one or something to put right. us up. But this is what happened before the game, Matt. All right. Let me tell you what happened before the game, right? <laughs> we we had played, we played St. Peter's, not St. Peter's, St. Francis the night before, St. Francis Brooklyn, right? Okay. And like the semi, you know, the semifinals or whatever, right. right? You know, it's a four-team tournament, so the semifinals, right? You know what I mean? Got it. So we beat them, right? So we know we're going to play, the, you know, we play St. Peter's now in the championship. The third place game is going on between Tennessee State and St. Francis Brooklyn, right? I see I see, Serge, Serge Clements, if he sees that, and I know he will see this. So, hi, Serge, but Serge, this is what happened, right? He said, he said, yo, this is my scout. And he said, y'all run a lot of stuff for a Miak team. I was like, oh, really? So I told my guys that. I told my guys that in the locker room, I told my staff that, and they was like, what? They was like, okay. All right, we we see what it is. All right, right, so they they were fired up to play, man. For the listeners, this is the first time I'm hearing this story. Um, hmm. wow, that's exactly. Well, let let that know. let that be a lesson to all the young coaches, and <laughs> yeah, he said he said yeah, can't do you know, stuff uh, like that. Because you know, I mean, Matt, you I mean, well, you know, you play against us a lot, a lot of times, but like you know, I'm right. trying to have a diverse offensive package. You know, some people might say it's a lot of offensive stuff. But we have a diverse package, and then we do some some trickery on defense. You know, and we just now give you like one dose of whatever. So, um, sir said, you know, like you guys don't typically. I'm like, and I'm thinking like, well, what is a MIAC team? I don't know. I don't understand what that comment means. And yeah, I coach. I coached I coach. I coached in that league for five years, and there's very good coaches in that league, very good players in that league, and it's very competitive. So. It, yeah, I don't understand that. But, you know, like I said, <laughs> I'll just leave it as let let that be a lesson to, to <laughs> all coaches. That, don't say that, stuff that, like that because it could backfire on you. And they obviously, you know, y'all had a good team, but I'm sure you, you took it personal also. And there you go. So, yeah. And so I, I, that's what this say. is about. This is about education. So let, will, write that say, down, this. too, in addition to the X's and O's. Don't say will, stuff like that. I will say this. That... Serge, you know, if he, I'm sure he will hear this, but he supports Mar and you guys, so I'm sure he will. He is, you know, one of my good buddies, you know, and stuff like that. But it was him that that had us mad, you know. It was straight up, it was him that had us mad. He should have never, and that's when, and that's when Serge was just starting off, like kind of in the business or whatever. So like maybe he said it, he didn't realize what he was saying, you know. And that's and that's cool, you know. Like I said, you know, that's my guy. So and I don't think I I ever even told him this story. So when he when he watches this podcast, this will be the first time he actually ever sees it. And it was him, man. He was the reason. He was the reason. <laughs> he was he was the pregame speech. He was wow. the pregame speech. Yeah. You know, so you, you know what? I'm gonna be honest with you, man. I don't even think we need to talk anything else. Back yeah, ago. yeah, because yeah. Now, yeah. yeah. Rob <laughs> is he is in his. Uh, <laughs> He is in, I'm not going to call it bully mode, but he's a little, he's a little charged right now. So. Well, no. well, that, well, we'll leave that up to him, right? He's our guest. So I know he has some, you know, so if he wants to keep going, you know, we can keep going. If, if he feels like, you know, he wants to leave on the high note and not that the other stuff won't be a high note, but it's, it's up to him. It's his show. Oh, we can, we keep. I mean, we can, we can talk about. Whatever you want to talk about, Mars. you know, basketball is basketball. We talked about basketball, you know, a good podcast, I guess, obviously talks about other things. So, you know, we can talk about other basketball stories, you know, whatever. Or we can talk about whatever you want to talk about, man. You know, <laughs> whatever. I'm speechless. So, <laughs> I'm,
2: I'm...
0: Well, why don't we do this? Why don't we do this? Why don't we let Rob, he did some defensive stuff. Let's show a little bit of offense, because, again, this show is about him. So we'll, we'll do a little bit of that and then, you know, we'll bring it back to, uh, to basketball. And then well, that was a great story though. That was a great story. So let's do a little bit more basketball so we can uh, uh, get our, get our composure back and
2: then we'll, uh,
0: we'll you know, we'll, 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 see what, cause coach Jones, like you say, he does some, they, he does, he's a good coach. He's a good, a good coach good. on, on, on both ends of the floor. And so um yeah so I'm interested to see the the offensive stuff too cuz again this is about us learning and we're trying to you know get the listeners some uh some uh some content that they can uh, take back to their programs as well. So I'm interested to see uh, the offensive stuff as well if you don't mind coach. Yeah yeah I'm I'm trying to uh I lost it for a second. I got to I got to bring it back up. I That's guess. an understatement. That is an understatement. No, no, no! I ain't talking about that's why I lost it for the uh, the, the, the the clips. I gotta find the clips again. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> nah, man, it was it was your boy Surge, man. <laughs> man. He had us, man. He had us. He had us very upset, ma. It's all love here, bleachers and boards. All love. Yeah, hold on a second. I think I got. I think I got it coming up right here. Yeah, like I said, we could do like. Three,
2: you know, three quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. See some offensive right, action. I'm
0: right now. There. Can, can you see that? Hear that pretty well. I'll, uh, I'll okay. There. You I'll, know what? Just the same thing again. Just turn the volume down on it, and uh, that'll be perfect. All right. Cool. First, okay. step, I, I'm guessing we're gonna talk about some Iverson stuff, which you know yeah. we touched on um one of our other episodes. But this this is great. Mm-hmm. Looking forward to different actions that people run Uh, off the Iverson cut. Yeah, so this is our Iverson play. All right. Um, You know, obviously, instead of like a 1-4 type situation here, um, I'm going to show you this is going to be a practice clip and um, like two game clips. Okay. So right now you'll see, you know, regular Iverson, you'll see 14, you know, run over Iverson cut, uh, number five running on the bottom to the corner. Regular Iverson actually said, we're going to keep 14 high. Right here, reason uh, why we just want to keep fourteen high because because with the we're gonna set a pick and roll right here, and usually like uh, Matt was talking about the weak side guys like the tag guy, but with him being so high and chasing the guy of the Iverson screen, it eliminates the tag guy. Right. Mm. So I like that. So right now, uh, you know, big fella rolls to the rim. Now what happens is if the, if uh, I know they just threw it back to my full man, but usually panic happens and a four-man ends up having a tag, which leaves, if you have a shooting four-man, wide open okay. right there. Or if they blow the hole coverage and your big man is, is standing there, you know, for a dunk, you know? Right. So, you um... One-four alignment, uh, wing, elbow, elbow, wing. You got your yeah. under and you run it into the world of the post Yeah, as soon as, he, as soon as he goes past... Like why why that guy's still chasing them? We are going right into the ball screen from twenty three, because you know clearly that guy's chasing them. You know his 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 head is turned, and also we'll do we will do a counter when we will throw it to the guy you know number fourteen, mm-hmm. so that, so they don't know which one we're doing.
2: Okay. You know, so
0: that, so now that so sl- right now.
2: Out of ball
0: right now, yeah. And the twenty three rolling, so we'll go into um, think game for this next something. But, you know, this is like from the, you know, this is like the really, like I said, practice footage from the first day that we put it in. Um, so, uh, you know, that's why it's being really explained and, and taught right. right now. But um, we're about to get
2: right into the, the game footage, though. I'm,
0: I'm just telling them right now about how, you know, the guy who's supposed to attack is, be, is being eliminated and right. which for the forward to help, which is going to leave the man wide open if they do it like that. We'll go again, just naked, just dummy the sets. So we'll go across. We, we spend a lot of time dummying our offense and things like that.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: so that, that's what it looks like without that. But here's, here's some game for the now. All right, so the guy's coming off. Susan comes off. Ball screen. Roll. Now, what I tell you, was like the four-man help.
2: Oh, see the yeah. four-man's in the paint? Yeah.
0: Right? Really, really, our four-man is wide over the top of the key, but – our guard was able to, Jermaine, Jermaine Bishop, he was a pretty good player for us. He was able to, to right. sweep by the, the forward and lay the ball up though.
2: Right.
0: And then you have another one right here, same play. Boom. Now right here, when it, we see like this guy is not, there's no help here because he's way up, he's so high. Yeah. Right here. Mm-hmm. And there's just a bounce pass for catching catch and finish. By the time he runs back over from the wing, it's too late. Now, Warriors one is a play that we actually stole straight from the Warriors. Um, I actually had somebody, a friend over there, who, who sent me the, you know, their playbook. I don't know if he was supposed to do it or not, but he did. It. <laughs> you know, and, uh, we we to took. Uh, what you say? Shout out to him. Yeah, we took Warriors one. So this is going to be a play. You're going to move all five guys before a ball screen, and I think that's important to try to. If you, sometimes you can move all five guys to get them out of pick and roll rotation, um, and then a ball screen happens. So what we're going to do is we're going to start it off. With uh, the five man at the elbow, four man on the bottom. We got you know your three guards on top.
2: So yeah. Tr-
0: so, so basically it's a one, uh, one, three, one, uh, one, three, one alignment. Kind of with yeah. Except, for, <clears throat> except for the five is on the elbow though. Gotcha. Yep. So now we got down screen right here. Four man catches the ball. Five man is over Impressive. on the
2: bottom. Top now we have of the a
0: key. Yeah, a little slice cut by the point guard. Now right here, if you have a good four man that can get downhill, if you notice of this slice cut, you know you know we all know that causes confusion. And then you have your five man already down here. So it's kind of like a dribble drive type, you know, situation that you could right. make it into if your four man could get downhill right here. So uh, he's going to, you know, if we can't get anything, the, the, the point guard is going to keep going to the corner. Opposite corner, that is. And then we got dribble, dribble, like a little dribble weave here. Then another dribble weave. As that's happening, the big man is circling underneath. Right. And he's yeah, going to then gonna run up. Truth. He's going to run up for a slot ball screen, and then we're going to get an exchange on the weak side. So at this point, we've shifted all five guys defensively so they can't just stand there in their pick-and-roll defense. So that's a Warriors one right here. So we got a down screen coming up here. Slice cut, dribble handoff, dribble handoff, right into a, right into a ball screen, exchange on the weak side. Now, how important is that exchange that the defense on the weak side can't help? Oh, it's extremely important because if they, you know, if you just stay in there, they can help all day. Mm-hmm. You know, if you exchange, and even if some guy decides to stay, on the exchange, someone else is going to be open. So, it's, it's, you all know, right. the exchange is very important. Now, right here, you'll see against Southern Illinois, all right, once again, non-MEAC school, right, that you're going to see how it, how, it, how it works. You know, down screen, here, slice cut, here, dribble handoff, right into this ball screen. No one's there. Look at him. Wide open. Wow. I don't know why he didn't dunk that. He's 6'10", for Christ's sake, but... (laughs) Now, you run this as a... um, Is this a a quick hitter or a set play? Because it almost looks like it could uh, just
2: go into sort of a motion out of some type of action like this. But is this... You just run this as a a setter or a quick hitter?
0: It it is a set... You know, that's that's why I'm on a uh, a call with two brilliant coaches because I never thought about it being a motion, but now... It probably will be, you know. I okay. know.
2: Uh, I like this. I like this. I might be. I might be still in this. I like this.
0: So then we got, you know, slice, <clears stud, throat> dribble, handoff, dribble, handoff, right into the ball screen. Comes down, rolls, and these are attacks. And right now, if you notice, you see everybody's in the paint. You got two guys open on the perimeter yeah. from that exchange stuff. You know. Now, granted, you know, when these kids get that deep, they're trying to rack it, so no one's looking right. for those two guys, but they're wide yeah. open. You know. And this is the last one I'll show is horns weave. This is a little uh, different variation out of horns, similar to what you seen with the um, Igerson play. So we'll get a regular horn set up, you know, come over the ball screen, big guy's going to roll. Same exact thing with horns, right? Now he's going to pop it to the guy, the foreman. Foreman's going to bring it back on a dribble handoff right here. If he can get down here, he's going to get downhill. But usually another dribble handoff, it's the double drag action. Now double drag. Instead of we're gonna do like reverse double drag. So the first guy is gonna pop. The second guy is gonna roll. Okay. So he's gonna to going to roll. Yep. Right. Then once again, usually if you got a four man to shoot, the four man is gonna be open again on this play. And you'll see it when it, you know when we do it in live action. Um, so right now, you know the guys coming up the, the the ball screen. Regular horns. He rolls. He pops. Throw, pop it to him. We got a dribble handoff. All right, another
2: dribble handoff.
0: You know, I didn't like that dribble handoff, so we, d- we gonna do it again. You know, like we always say, if it, if it, if it's not right, it's wrong, right?
2: <laughs> uh, details. That's important. You make yeah. sure these guys get the details down so they execute. Um, you know,
0: yeah. tight. So we got here. We got double drag, pop, roll, dunk. And a lot of times it happens just like that, honestly. Uh, We'll do it one more time. Well, I think we're gonna do it. No, we might cut it. Yeah, now we got game action. Okay, so we got here, we got a roll here, dribble handoff. Okay, dribble handoff, double screen. He should have used the the dribble handoff, but he does get downhill on the guy. Nice spin. Now we got we're gonna do it again.
2: Same game. So this basically starts off as a a little bit of a horn look.
0: Yep, but now – I didn't talk about this in the, in the 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 thing. like So, sometimes we'll get a back door of this guy's, like, ball watching. You'll notice the guy's ball watching in the corner, you know, because once again, this is the – uh, actually, this is the first time we ran it. The other play was the second time we ran it, but maybe they scouted it and they think that, okay, this guy's going to dribble handoff. Right here, back door. Lay up. So, that's, uh, that's another play, but we're not going to do that one.
2: That's good stuff, Coach. That's good stuff. I like Warriors one. Uh, yeah, no, nah, I like that. I like that too.
0: Uh, Golden State that gave it because I will be putting that in my uh, in my package. Yeah. You know, to have as a set to run at some point. It's uh, good stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm gonna say this. You know the offensive. Stuff was great. I'm still a little frazzled by you know, <laughs> our previous
2: because you know, this is next play, coach. Next play. Yeah, ne- next play. <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: Um which kind of you know segues into what it is that that we like to talk about. And and for the listeners. Obviously, you can't see this, but if you watch us on on our YouTube page, you will see this. Coach, Rob Jones is still on one right now.
2: He is Uh -uh, (laughs) – You
0: know, but this is going to go in. It's confidence, man. Listen, if you're doing a good job, you're winning games, you should be confident. Yes, yes. But I I kind of feel that – see, I I don't – Now now that I know this, he was actually going into something in that championship game. And, you know, us in St. Peter's, we were up for the challenge, but we just wanted to to play a game. But he he had other intentions, which kind of leads to the point of his favorite or one of his favorite hip hop groups. Okay. and, And like I said, before when we started, I knew. what this was gonna be. You know, we got two Queens guys on here. It and we do as the Brooklyn guy. So I already knew what this was gonna be, but you know, Rob, if you don't mind, talk a little bit about your experience with the G unit and, and the the members and the relationship that you have with those guys and how that has I guess, helped you in your coaching because clearly it has. If you're still remembering things and bringing things up that
2: not a lot of people know about,
0: <laughs> no, nah, nah, not a lot of people know about that. Uh, that
2: St. Peter's game.
1: If you have an existing podcast or are looking to launch your own pod but aren't sure where to start, the team at My Podcast Manager can help. Our podcast team works behind the scenes so you can do what you do best will help you launch your podcast, make it sound great, and free up your time for the more enjoyable parts of podcasting. If you're ready to put your podcast editing, production, and promotion on autopilot with a trusted team of podcasting professionals, visit mypodcastmanager.com to get started.
0: With G-Unit, it all started in college. Um, You know, I I was actually, in addition to playing basketball, I was in charge of the entertainment committee. So like I was in charge of throwing the concerts and doing all the, you know, the entertainment events and at um, SUNY New Falls for the time I was there for like the last uh, two years I was there. So what I said was, I, I, you know, I was organizing all these shows and things like that. And like, I started seeing how much money concerts generate, you know, and I'm like, I'm like, well, you know, when I get out of college, I might want to do this for myself. You know, like if this basketball thing, doesn't take me to the uh, the highest point. You know, like you know, I was also, I was always very logical. You know, coming from humble beginnings, my biggest thing was I didn't really care like if it was the NBA or if it was whatever. Like I just said, I gotta just change my surroundings. You know, so like if it's gonna be changing it through working, then I'm with that too. You know, whatever whatever's gonna be, it's gonna change. So, you know, i am seen all this money, the concerts and stuff like that generate. And I was and through actually the, last, the two years of throwing those concerts at, at Sweeney New Pulse, I was able to develop a lot of relationships within the industry. And um, I actually got an internship at Electra Records. It's now defunct. Um, They had merged with Atlantic Records, but Electra had um, Fabulous, Missy, Tamiya. don't mean to cut you off. So were you there? I'm guessing this is the Sylvia Rhone days. Yes. And for those of you that don't know, Sylvia Rhone was one of the head people of Electra's hip hop uh, division. I actually tried to get signed by Sylvia Rome, but that's for another
2: episode.
0: <laughs> Deep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you can see, <laughs> I'm still upset about that, that Sylvia never called, but,
2: you know, <laughs> continue on, Coach.
0: Yeah, so Sylvia, Sylvia Rome was, was in charge of it. She was like the president, CEO, or whatever. Um, I actually worked in the in the finance division of uh, Electra. Um, the guy, the, the CFO of Electra actually went to SUNY Newport's. So the president of the school actually hooked me up with that internship. So that's how I got it. Nice. The, the first day I went there, you know, I thought I was going to get fired, man. Honestly. First day I went there, I told him, we had an orientation meeting of the interns, stuff like that. I went to him. His name was Rich Bangloff at the time. I mean, I think, I, I mean, at the time, that was his name, Rich Bangloff, right? And I told him, I said, hey, man, you know, can I talk to you for a second, Mr. Bangloff? And, you know, we talk about the uh, the president of the university, you know, that hooked me up and blah, blah, blah. Um, and I was like, you know, I don't really want to be like one of those musical interns that's, that's getting coffee and donuts all day. Cause that's you know, a lot of musical interns, that's what they do, you know, try to get their foot in the door. I said, I want to come here and I want to learn the business and stuff. And he said, sit down. And I was like, oh man, this is my first and <laughs> last day. Grand opening, grand closing, right? <laughs> so he said, sit down. So he's like, I've never had an intern talk to me like that before. He said, he said, so this what I'm gonna do for you. For 40 minutes a day, um, I'm gonna I'm tell you about the music business and stuff. And then they, they actually gave me real stuff to do. Like they gave me like when um, when Missy was on tour, um, I did uh, like some of her spreadsheets for her, like a, you know financial spreadsheets because you know I was working in the finance division. When Fabulous when Fabulous first came out, he asked me, he said, "Do you think this kid Fabulous is going to work?" And you know, once again, I was young and I listened to the DJ Clue mixtapes. I was like, "Yeah, he gonna work. He yeah, like, gonna work." And, and then you know, he worked. You know, and then. um yeah, then uh, Busta Rhymes on the label too. Fab owes you a check, by the way. So, huh? Fab owes you a check. Yeah, he do. He so, do. I I've done some business with Fab too, but it's like um, we actually me and Fab actually had had the same lawyer at one point. So um, Alberto Ebanks. Shout out to Alberto Ebanks and um, and Al. That's my guy too. Shout out to Al. Yeah. yeah, shout out to Al. So that you know that's that's my guy right there. But um, uh, like either way, um, I I worked with Violator too, like when I was at um school, that's what 50 Cent was under with Chris Lighty and Mike Lighty and the Lighties, then like 15 Lighties that worked there and stuff, right? So Dave Lighty, all them guys was there, right? So um, I, I actually booked 50 Cent for a personal show, not a personal, but at a, at a club that, that was next to the university. I had saved up my money. You know, 50, 50 Cent at the time was $15,000 whatever so I had saved up like me and my other friends had saved up like you know he had five I had five he this guy had two he had three over here you know so we put it all together because I knew like from doing those concerts like yo we do this right we're gonna be able to generate some real some real money so um you know we did we did we did a show with 50 cent this is right after the jam message killing or whatever yeah. so, like he was canceling show after show after show so People didn't think he was coming to our show, so we're nervous now. We like we just invested fifteen thousand when we were twenty-one years old, twenty-two years old, at, 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 yeah, about twenty-two years old, twenty-three, I think, actually, going twenty-three. And this is like, you know, for us to have five and five and five thousand, like man, that's like everything we had. So we was like, right. man, this gotta work, man. Like so, what happened was that um, he. Had yeah, he, he didn't cancel our show. He never canceled our show because our show was upstate New York. Maybe he felt like it was safer or whatever the case may be. But every show in New York City, he was canceling because of the old JMSJ thing. So he came up there and it was so crazy because people like the, the club was jam packed, but people didn't think that, he, some people didn't think he was coming. Man, when the the caravan pulled up with the bulletproof vest, I mean the bulletproof armor and all that stuff like that or whatever, People are on their phones. Like, you know, back then they, they got the Nextel Motorola flip phones, right? <laughs> their friends, like chirping. Yeah. Like he's here, he's here, he's here, he's here. He's here right? So he going in there, he kill it, you know, and whatever. And then from there, like, um, I just said, you know, I just I got I got another show with fifty, um, not for myself, but for somebody else. And then I got another show, and then it went from that to like actually working with them and I helped <laughs> set up Lloyd Banks first um, college tour with um with Violator, and then I helped set up some dates with, with 50. Um, from there like so like I basically did like a lot of touring dates like for, with fifty and those guys. So um, you know, a lot of people ask me, they're like, Hey, yeah, can you you know can you call them up and stuff so like that? I'm like, Yeah, we wasn't we wasn't homies, like I'm not gonna yeah. sit up here and lie. Now I know some there's some coaches that stretch the truth about who they know and <laughs> stuff like that. But I'm not one of those coaches that's gonna stretch the truth. Like I did work for fifty cent. You know, I did work for G Unit, you know. Um I did shows with them. So at the shows, yes, you know, we would interact and stuff like that. But um Am I going to call Lloyd Banks up right now and say, "Hey, hey, what's up, Banks?" Now Banks has been to my house in Virginia, though. He has been to he's my. way in a the show. The he's been on the couch. he's yeah, been, been watching he's, he's been there before, but um, like fifty, you know, he's never been in my house like that. You <laughs> saying? something like that, but, but you know, you know, people think that when I said the fifty cents stuff, they're like, "Oh, you know, can can you get me on Power or something like that?" Nah, like I did, I, I had my time. I had my couple years, you know, with them. Um, I, I set up the shows. I got my money, you know, and, and they got them, you know, and I, that's what it was, you know, with that situation. Now, awesome. as far as the musical group, the reason why I say that they was one of the most influential groups of all time, because I know that's the next, I know that's the next part. All right, is that I want you to think about this, right? Fifty Cent, you know, like he came from straight like mixtapes. Like the first show that I'm, I'm talking about, when I when I paid fifty fifty Cent fifteen thousand dollars, right? He did an hour show. On mixtapes, like he had no album. Right. There was no album. Like this is two. This is November 14, Thousand and Two. You can look it up. SUNY New Newballs at the Atrium, Newballs New York. You can see Rob Jones did that show. Oh, that right? Okay, Two Thousand and Three is when In the Club came out. So mm-hmm. he did a whole show. So like, I mean, and, and the power that he had—that was like people were so captivated with him, you know, that from a mixtape, you know, or, or mixtapes, I should say, yeah. that people were like. Packing a club and doing all types of crazy things to try to get in and stuff like that and everything like that. All right, so then we fast forward. He goes on, you know, he sets the, all the kind of records with his first album. Actually, his first two albums. People, people just try to discount the the massacre or whatever it was because of Get Rich or Trying, but they actually sold about the same amount. Honestly, you know, they sold about ten million each. You know, right out the gate. So um, that was one unheard of. You know, with artists going like diamond. Now we're not talking about platinum no more. We're talking about diamond out the gate, right? Now, then, for the listeners, if you on mind, just explain what diamond is, because it might be a coach on here that doesn't understand what Di- diamond equals a lot of records. But you, you tell us what that is. Diamond is equals ten million records sold. You know, platinum is one million, gold is five hundred thousand, and other than that, you're a dud. <laughs> you know, <laughs> really? so, so but Double you know that, that's what that's what it is. You know, so. You know he goes and he you know he he does that. But the thing that I say about that influential is because when he was on the Rock the Mic tour, everybody know the Rock the Mic tour was Jay, right? Jay is my favorite rapper, right? All right? He was yeah, we did it. Yeah. He was. I give credible credits, dude. You right? He's my favorite rapper. He was so hot at the time that Jay, of course, performed last, right? And I've seen this with my own eyes, Ma. So I'm not trying to like you know exact like he would perform, right? And half the stadium would leave, like 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 Jay Z was even coming on next because like Jay didn't have uh, like a really like a, a hot album out at the time. Fifty Cent was scorching, you know, and stuff. So the, most of the people came to see Fifty Cent, you know. And then like even though it was Jay Z's tour, you know. And then you look at like Lloyd Banks went multi multi platinum on his first two, you know, albums. Then you look at a guy Young Buck went multi platinum. Game with multi platinum. I mean. Even I, you know, I know he probably won't see it, but if he do, I mean, whatever. It's like Tony Ayo is not the most talented rapper, you know, but Tony Ayo was running around doing a lot of shows because of 50 Cent. So, this is why this is why I equate it to like other groups, right? You look at Rockefeller, right? Okay, okay, Jay Z, I was Jay Z, he's out of this world, you know, he's a billion dollar man, right? You can't really pinpoint. A lot of other people on that label that went multi-platinum. There's people that were good. You know, Beanie was Beanie Seagull was good. I mean, I think Memphis Bleak was good, but you know, some people might argue with that or whatever. Um, but you said, What? <laughs> like, okay. you, can, you, can, you can go down the list and none of those guys went multi-platinum. It's like, it's like Jay and I know Fifth did a lot of things like like Fifth. Like the game, like that, you know, even with the game, like some of those songs was really 50 cent songs, but he gave it to the game, you know, like Jay-Z, you know, and some other guys maybe didn't do that for their, their artists. You know, they kept them all to, the, to all the hits to themselves. And that's why Jay-Z is a billion dollar man. And some of those other guys are like, you know, working at the sneaker store right now, you know? So it's like, you know, it's, it's a total different thing. And then you look at other groups, you look at Wu-Tang. I love Wu-Tang too. Wu-Tang, you know, had a, I mean, a, a crazy influence. They was from the from the streets, the gutter, you know, and stuff, right? But then, you know, you got your Mephs, you got your Rizzas, you got your Raekwans, you got your Ghosts, right? That would that actually made some noise, you know. But the the whole group, I mean, you got you have Master Killer's album on deck. You got, you got you guys' last album. Now, hold, on, hold on, hold on. I bought both the Master Killer's albums, but oh, that okay. we won't even get into that. Oh, okay. <laughs> now, I'm only gonna say I'm gonna say two things. Okay. And I don't want to get off the topic of the deal, but with Wu Tang, Inspector Deck needs to be talked about more. Just my opinion. He's and, very lyrical. Very yeah. lyrical. And, yes. and for as much as I'm never going to go against him, I'll agree with you. But Master Killer could do no wrong to me because I saw him every day growing up in this video. But that's just. But yeah. I'll continue.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, so well, so what, what I would say to that is. And what you're saying is very true. But would you say that the blueprint that Wu-Tang laid down as far as having the group success and then the individuals, um, because when I look at Genie, I feel like they tried to do the same thing as far as they have their solo deals, but then they all work together and feature each other. So it was sort of like they used the Wu-Tang blueprint and maybe took it to another level Um, you know, from the
2: individual success standpoint, but would you say it was kind of a similar type of uh, blueprint? I would
0: say it's it's very similar, but almost reverse, because the solo albums came out first for G-Unit, like 50 Cent came out true. and then they did the G-Unit album. Like, the Wu-Tang album came out, and then they broke up and started doing the jizzle and, you know, know, everything like that. You -hmm. know, um, I I would say with, like, with with G-Unit, you know, is that, like, I mean... I mean, you guys lived through it. I mean, we all lived through it. Like no, they were huge, huge. You know, it was so hot, huge. like, like it was like. I mean, you know, you would set up shows and people are waiting for hours. And, and granted, people do that for whoever the hottest artist is, you know, whatever. But it's like, I mean, it was like just ridiculous, man. Like, I mean, really, fifty he would he would come back with trash bags full of money. Like, I mean, trash bags, like. Sometimes you could never even fathom. Like, you know, you see all these people on social media trying to show money and, you know, all that other childish nonsense, right? But, I mean, this guy used to have trash bags, like, like like glad bags full of money because of, you know, the back end of the show money is usually in cash. So, like, you know, every show he went to, he's getting the, he's getting the back end and it's all in cash. And, I mean, as much so many pockets he's going to. He's going from city to city that he's not going to the bank, you know. So it's just... Trash bags and trash. Like is this <laughs> like, is this like the craziest thing that I ever seen. You know, honestly, and um, you know, it's just like it's just a tremendous. They had a tremendous um influence, and I think that a lot of times because of the way Fifty did it with like a lot of um, you know, a lot of beef that he had throughout the years. You know, it's like like people think like, oh, you know, like the, the beefs kind of like you know he shouldn't have so many beefs, and you know maybe he shouldn't have. You know, it's everybody's prerogative, but I think that kind of gets overshadowed by the the true impact. Of what they they had, like even when I see like you know the whole you know Ti calling out Fifty Cent, you know for a versus battle and stuff like that, like yo, you don't realize like how many songs Fifty Cent really has, man. Like he has a lot of records, and I'm not mm-hmm. taking anything with Ti because I think Ti is a great artist too, you know. But Fifty, like you you calling him, you calling him out like he's just a slouch. Like he has like I mean a lot of he's got a, lot a lot of hits, records. a lot of hits. You know, like he has a lot, a lot of records, man. So, um. I just think that like what they did like was just so big, like, you know, just and they they did it so quick. I mean, Fifth went from zero to a hundred quick, you know, like I mean, you know, with 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 shoe deals and clothing deals and vitamin water and I mean, you know. Yeah. Yeah, how many how many artists got their own their own flavor of, of, of a drink? Yeah. now, I I'll ask this. Did you own a okay. G unit Sneaker? Yeah, I own a G unit sneaker? Did you did you have a pair of G unit sneakers? The listeners wanna know. Let me say this, Ma. Oh, it sounds like he had a pair of G sneakers. I didn't I didn't have a pair that I actually bought. Yeah, that's. Oh, I knew he was going there. I knew that's. What, go I could see. I could see. See, you didn't peep the, the 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 sit back in the chair. Once he went to that, I knew. I knew that's what the answer was. <laughs> Once he went to the slouch back in the chair, I knew what the answer was. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't have a pair that I actually bought. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm not gonna sit here, you know, and lie or anything like that. I didn't have a pair that I bought or anything. So. I mean, you know, I did it. Respect. Hey, hey, respect. But, but you know, with Wu Tang yeah. though, you know, I will say this a lot of people and I know we you know, we you know, I know we 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 just talking now getting a little overpriced time and stuff like that, but at the same time, Wu like Wu Tang Wu-Wear was one of my first jobs. I worked at Wu wear Is that right? And I worked I worked in a I worked in a factory. I actually worked in a factory and Where's you know after Wu Huh? Where was the factory? Manhattan, uh, uh, in the garment, in the garment district.
2: Wow, okay, I didn't
0: know that. Right, so I worked okay. in Wu. I worked at and one of the things I, I learned about clothing was that, like, and, and, I mean, Wuwei is defunct now, so I mean, it's no like you know people can't get mad at me or whatever. But it's like they used to get like honestly regular T-shirts that like I mean like your Hanes and your Gildan and your stuff like that. I mean boxes of that, and they used to have like six, um, six seamstresses. And like their job was like, the, you know, like the boxes would be loaded up and they would cut off the tag. And sew the Wu-Wear tag on it. Wow. So it was like, when you got the shirt, you didn't even know that it was like really a, a, a Gildan or a, or a discus or something like that because they cut it off and put a Wu-Tang on it or whatever. right? I mean, Wu-Wear on it or whatever. This is what happens though, Ma, let me tell you this, right? If you ever look at like a new company, or whatever like that might just came out of nowhere, or like a, a entrepreneur, right? Look under the tag. Well, like people are still doing that to this day. Like I caught somebody it the other day. Like I was like, oh, I, I know this trick. I've, I've seen the trick. <laughs> I know this trick. But I tell you this much: like Wu we'll Wear, like of course with any other clothing line, you know, a lot of it was um, screen printed at first before they got to the embroidery. So anytime there was like a, a mess up on that or a screen print, you know, like even a little smudge or whatever, you know, blah blah blah. They would throw them. They would like just discard them. So the ones that wasn't too bad, I used to take home with me. I mean, the whole block had wool Man, my mom had fifteen WooWear shirts. She didn't know who Method man or none of us. So it's like everybody had wool You know, yeah. so that was um
2: that's a great that story. Was that's a great story. Yeah, man, that's a great yeah. story. This was great stuff. Not like I don't
0: wanted to end, but you know, I think we gonna end on on the Wu Wear note. Yeah, no, that's a that's a throwback right there.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. I had a couple garments, a couple yeah, garments. I had a couple a couple garments back in the day. I had listen, I went, I went to, I went away to college. I had to represent, so and Wu Tang with my dude, so I, I had a couple.
2: Uh, you know, okay. I had to, I had to. I had to,
0: I had to. So, and shout out to Wu Wear, like I said, Wu Wear was one of my first jobs ever. I was like 15, 16 years old, man, and. They, they was paying me in cash. I mean, I know that was some under the table stuff. As, as time goes on, you you know, you figure it out, you know, right? And they was paying me in cash, man. Every I mean the money wasn't late. Every Friday it was in an envelope that said Robert Jones on it. And I was cool with it. I went home, you know, you know, didn't have to pay
2: any, you know, any, anybody anything. <laughs> so it was great. Ah uh, man, that, that's that's
0: good stuff, man. But we are gonna wrap it up with uh coach Robert Jones. Uh Rob, you know, Always love talking to you, man. Uh, appreciate you coming on the platform and you know giving us both sides of the game. Uh, you know from the clipboard to, to the barbershop talking. that's what this platform is for. You know for guys to come on and have a good time, but you know we talk some serious stuff as well. Um, so you know we won't hold you up with time uh if we get a chance to play this year please go check out the norfolk state spartans they will not be playing queen's college or rider university so you can go oh, and support oh, them. Oh, uh, oh, and, and as always man uh good luck to you and we thank you for the time matt you got anything you want to say no this was a great episode um i learned a lot i know i'm, I'm definitely gonna uh be rewinding this and uh get my court diagram on it and drawing up uh, Warriors one, like you said, putting it in a in the toolbox and trying to figure out, uh, you know, if and when I can uh, install that. That was good stuff, and and I like the concept also on the trapping the ball screens and, and the thought process behind it. Uh, it made a lot of sense to me, so um, I know I got a, a lot out of the episode, and uh, I'm I'm sure the uh, the coaches and that uh, watch the episode will get the same. So uh, really fortunate to have Coach Jones on.
2: And we appreciate it. Uh, This was another great episode.
0: I thank you guys for having me, man. You know, like I said, anytime. um, You know, this was was cool. Like you said, definitely get the barbershop talking. It was a little different, too, you know, because recently, honestly, probably unfortunately, every Zoom or interview I've been doing has been about the social injustice and things like that. So it was kind of, you know, there's a lot going on with that. And we still got to fight the cause. But, you know, it was good to get a breath of fresh air and not just be sad when I left the, (laughs)
2: The Zoom call, you know, so it was good. And uh, I appreciate it. And, you know, for all the listeners, as always, check us out on Twitter
0: at uh, Bleachers and Boards and on Instagram at Bleachers and Boards and on uh, our YouTube page at Bleachers and Boards. For Matt Collier,
2: this is Marlon Gill signing off for Bleachers and Boards, brought to you by the Hoop Heads podcast.
0: Well, that's another episode of Bleachers and Boards brought to you by the Hoop Heads Podcast. Don't forget to check us out on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at Bleachers and Boards. Until
2: next time, see you soon.